Hey everybody, you're listening to the Smoke Meat Podcast. I'm your host, Brad Pittman. Uh, Smoke Meat's brought to you by Joe's Underground at the corner of 8th and Broad in Augusta, Georgia. Uh, head on over to Joe's Facebook page right now. They've got the coolest new t-shirts out. Um, they're closed right now because of the pandemic. But when they're open, Jeremy and the gang are going to come in and we're going to have a hell of a party down there. So get your t-shirt, get ready. Remember, I goes to Joe's and so should you. Today on Smoke Meat, we've got a good friend of mine, a young man named Steve Joyner. Steve's a publicist. Uh, he has just been an all-around great guy, good friend. And we're going to go on and get this thing started. How you doing, Steve? Doing good this morning. How are you? Man, if I was any better, I'd be twins. Oh, that's, <laughs> that's great. Speaking of twins, I actually just took my twin nieces for a walk. <laughs> nice. both, no, I'm serious. The both six are identical twins, and I took them for a walk around the neighborhood. Oh man, I bet they dug that. They did. It's it's you know when you're that age, you know everything's new, and they're just fascinated by everything, squirrels, and nature, and all that good stuff. And this is like the only fun they can have right now because of everything being the way it is. I, I'm 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 currently in Missouri, as you know, I live out in California, yeah. but uh, it's just uh, yeah, it's a beautiful day out, so. It's it was, it was great. Oh man, I know you've been staying fairly busy because of this thing, or not just because of this, but during this, you've you've kept your hands pretty full. Yeah, I, I guess so. I mean, it, it's really I I and I hope everybody who hears this is is doing well and and, and surviving. But uh, prior to this happening, I already kind of lived like a Howard Hughes shut-in. I, I don't mean that bad, but like so. I'm a publicist and, and the majority of my day is spent on the phone and a lot of it, you know, certain client, the clients I have, I put them on programs and, and, and handle their, their, their stuff. And, you know, I handle this stuff and I, I book a lot of interviews and I have no, I think the, I think the record I set for myself inadvertently was I had booked maybe 18 interviews in one day at one time. Nice. That was hell. <laughs> so, but I would do that. I would be inside at my house out in California, and I would go. I, I so I was inside my office slash room, and I would handle all this stuff. And and so I was already, you know, I wouldn't really go out that much. Every now and then, a lot of them uh, they live out out of state. There's just a handful in Los Angeles, but uh, for the most part, you know, I I don't get to meet them as that much. So whenever I have the rare opportunity to meet them, that's fantastic. Yeah. So it's cool. I guess uh, I, 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 and I'm ner- I'm sorry, folks. I'm a little nervous because I don't really do these things. I've put hundreds of these together, but I don't actually get interviewed that much. So, Brad, you got to hold my hand through this dark alley. I will hold your hand through this dark alley. Okay. So, uh, I guess the backstory you want to hear, right? I do. Yeah. Okay. So, I was born in Southern California many, many moons ago, and I, my mom. Uh, both my parents are gone now. My mom was really good friends with Cecil B. DeMille's granddaughter, Diane DeMille. And my mom went to a school in our in Arcadia. It was called Anokia. It was a girls' college preparatory school. And um, that's where her and Diane had met. And uh, obviously her grandfather made the Ten Commandments, one of the greatest directors of the, of the 20th century. Um, she knew Leo Jarosha's daughter and uh, Ernie Kovac's daughter to, and, and uh, Troy Donahue's sister. So it was pretty cool. And I was kind of a movie nerd at a very, very young age. And then I had, I, I had 
inadvertently landed in an RC Cola commercial. I don't even know if they make that stuff anymore. Oh, yeah, and, they do. Uh, they do. I haven't seen Royal Crown in years. I mean, but uh, I had landed one, and then I started, they started doing a lot of extra work. See, back then, they would have kids of certain height, hair colors, ethnicity, backgrounds, and so on, and they would use them. So as an extra in a film or TV series, you're basically just like walking scenery in the back, and it's interesting, and, and it adds to it. So I did that. And then I went to an acting school when I was six called Multimedia Arts. It was, it was uh, taught by this woman named Drew Scott. And one of my teachers was uh, an actor named Gordon Jump, who was on WKRP in Cincinnati. I'd say that's Mr. Carlson. Yeah, Mr. Carlson, yeah. And he was doing, at the time, he was doing, he, I think, I don't know if WKRP had been done. I, I don't remember if it was over by 81 or not. But... Um, um, he was doing uh, Maytag repairman commercials. Yeah. I remember that. He was a Maytag repairman. And just a really interesting guy. And um, But the first thing that I ever did professionally was a, a horrible Disney movie that probably no one ever, only a handful full of people saw, and it was called The Devil and Max Devlin. <laughs> I know that one. Did you see it? Yes. My condolences. I am a movie yeah. nerd, man. I know, but that was just the weirdest film. I mean, it was, it's still, it was with Elliot Gold and Bill Cosby. And it's about Elliot, you know, gets killed. He's a slumlord, just kind of like a nasty person. He gets killed and he goes to hell. And Bill Cosby's the devil's lawyer, which is just a big joke in itself nowadays, <laughs> you know. But anyway, he, he reconditions him to earth on the contingency that he gets three children's souls in exchange for his. So one of the children was Adam Rich, who played Nicholas on It Is Enough. Mm -hmm. And his mother, in the film, owned a daycare center. And I was one of the daycare kids. And I remember spending a lot of time around Elliot. I met I met Bill Cosby once on the set. and That you remember. Boom, boom. I, <laughs> see, see, this is why. You know, if you see the... Okay, folks, if you see the poster for this film, it's got... Elliot holding a contract. He's like looking at a contract, and Cos is over him with devil horns. It's just so profoundly evil looking, you know. Nowadays, given what happened to him, but yeah, now I only met him once, and I remember. But he was, uh, he was very, very kind back then. I remember he was. I remember him wearing glasses. He always wore glasses when he wasn't on when he wasn't on film, and you know, it, it's sad. I don't want to get into him, but it's sad what happened. So I did that, and then um, there was a. Um, a TV show called Emergency. Do you remember Emergency? Man, 30-year paramedic. Oh, yeah. Okay, I don't know. A lot of people for, I, forgot about it. I don't it, trust I, anybody that when they open their code drugs, don't take and flip the caps off with their thumbs. Uh -huh. Hard to trust those people that don't do that. <laughs> well, I, I, I was on one episode of that, and Adam Rich, incidentally, it was because it was of him. Cause, and um, I don't know. It was cool. And, and the profound thing about the episode I was on was this is a, cre a creepy story actually i haven't really told many people a story because it's just too weird it was it was an episode about a plane crash and and a, a commercial jetliner that crashed in a neighborhood and just three years prior to them filming that there was a, a, a horrific plane crash in san diego psa wiped out a whole neighborhood mm -hmm. so it was really weird that it happened around that time so i did that and i did you know i got chips i was on an episode of chips that was kind of neat oh, yeah. um that's where I met Larry Wilcox for the first time. Larry's such a great guy. And and then I just I just didn't do really much so. I mean, you know, sporadic things here and there. It's just basically okay, we need a little blonde kid or we need you know, and that was it. If I was lucky, I got the gig. Yeah. 
And then back then, as you know, Brad, you meet people and it was a smaller world back then. It was a safer world back then. Uh, Jackal Holleran, a dear friend of mine who you've interviewed, uh, talks about how safe it was for us back then. I was, we never worried about kidnappers or any of this. You know, we'd be up from sun up to sundown. Yeah. So, and then I, uh, I didn't want to really pursue it. I wanted to live a quasi normal life, but I still did theater a lot. And, um, then fast forward years and years later, I started doing PR and then my mother was, she got ill and she died of heart disease in 2013. And about a year later, there was a picture of me with a man named Carl Gottlieb, who was a screenwriter who wrote Jaws, mm -hmm. and Joe Alves, who's a production designer. Did you interview Joe yet? I have not. Okay, I got to get in touch with him. Anyway, so. Joe, Alves was, Joe Alves was the guy that built the shark. You and I will all introduce you to him. Yeah, we, anyway, we have a then, list after this show. Mm -hmm. And it was a Jaws event, you know, because that's they, they were the guys, that, the guy that wrote the story and the guy that made the beast. Peter Benchley wrote the novel, Carl wrote the screenplay. So we were at a, they had some of these older actors and, and they do autograph shows, you know, and, and, and meet and greets and Comic Cons and crap mm -hmm. and screenings. And we were at one for Jaws. And a Facebook friend of mine in Boston reached out to me. He said, you know, I'd like to interview them for my podcast. And at the time, Brad, I didn't listen to podcasts. And I really, it was foreign to me. I didn't know what the hell they were. I had no interest in them. I would hear, I would, sorry about that. That's okay. I would hear, I would hear, I would hear uh, you know, people like Rush Limbaugh and uh, Michael Savage and those dudes like talking heads on the radio, Stern. Um, I miss, I, I never listened to any of those people, but I was aware of them. And I said, well, sure, I could set it up. And then from that one meeting, that first show I booked, I've now worked with, oh, my dear Lord, I, I've lost track. So many shows, and i booked countless interviews. And now I have people that, that I put to shows, like yours. Yeah. And, and it gives good entertainment. And some of these folks, like, like Jack, who I mentioned, you know, people only knew him from uh, Superman or things like that. Mm -hmm. And then when you hear his backstory, it's like, holy smokes, you get to hear him in a different light. You do really great interviews. I love the interview you did with Robert Wall, by the way. That was cool. Oh, that was that was awesome. I, that surprised me when he asked me my um, prison meal. Oh, that, yeah, he does that. Yeah. And, and he did, he did a, are you Facebook friends with him or not? Yeah. <laughs> okay, he actually posted about that. He said, I did a show in Georgia, and I, and I, I, I asked about the prison meal. But sorry, that's a thing with him. Yeah, but that was a great interview with you and Robert. That was great, and so it gives entertainment. And and some of these people have things they're promoting. Not all of them are retired and you know living in retirement land. Yeah, a lot of them are still very active, like himself. But given the 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 way the world is now, they're they're able to do these and and share stories. I mean, so from after you hear these interviews, like you did with Robert and other folks, you see their films or their, their work later on, and you look at them a whole, at a whole different, well, you know, little stories that maybe the general public doesn't know, so it's kind of cool. Yeah, you know, last night, um, I know Lisa London, when I interviewed her, you know, we've, we've been talking back and forth some since then, and mm -hmm. she sent me a um, link to some of her movies that are coming out on Amazon Prime, and yeah, I, I watched a couple of them last night. I'm like, man, this is awesome. You know, I know this person, and it, Lisa, it just yeah, adds yeah, that will happen. That will happen to you. Just, yeah, I mean, it, it's surreal when you're. I had a, a Lisa real quick. I love Lisa London. She is what she was one of the first people I ever put on a show mm -hmm. after Carl and Joe. She was like one of the first five. 
Hearn, Candy Clark from American Graffiti, and uh, Larry, Larry Wilcox. I got Larry, and, and that was like one of the first few people. And she's just she's just a delightful lady, and her filmography is is a trip, you know. And yeah. she's, she's she's cool. I've been I've been privileged enough to work with her. I know her and her husband Barry. She's cool as a day is long. Mm-hmm. Yeah, most most definitely. I mean, I've I've had so many great guests, you know, since since I met you. I mean, it's just man. I, well, who who's been your favorite, or, or I don't want to pin you down, but who's one that's still standing out in your mind to this day? Yeah, all of them I've loved. I mean, all? I've I've had some that, you know, every every host, none of them will admit to this. I will because I'm I'm realistic. Yeah. You know, every host has somebody that they're like, okay, I've got this one set up. I'm not sure how I'm going to really, what angle I'm going to do this from to make it better. And I'm not really sure how it's going to go. But, you know, if you want you want your pudding, you got each piece, you know. And those have turned out to be some of the best ones. Um, and I'll tell you the one that, huh? oh, go ahead. No, no, go ahead. The, the one that tickled me, you know, like I said, I love everybody I've done. I've not had a bad one and don't yeah. look for any bad ones. Um, Larry Hankin, he, he tickled me <laughs> because it, it, one of his characters is one of my favorite characters in any movie, and it's Doobie from Planes, Trains, and Automobiles. I never realized that was him. That's him. He was the, the cab driver in Wichita, Kansas. Yeah. And, and that's funny you say that because I had watched that movie uh, about three months ago, no, two months ago before mm-hmm. I came here. And 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 I, I I see them get in the cab, and I remember the scene because it was funny. They, they're stuck in Wichita, and they get in the cab, and the cab's real gaudy, and you know it's it's. And I'm looking at the guy. I'm like, that's Larry, and he's one of these character actors that has literally disappeared in everything. Yeah. And you, you don't know a story, but he's he's uh, he, he's that guy from that thing, you know. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that's what I love about character actors. You know, a lot of times it's terrible to say you may not know their name, but when you see a face, you're like, "Holy crap, that's one of my favorite people." Yep. And that's that's one thing I'm getting to do a lot of is you know I'm I'm getting a lot of character actors that people know them but they don't know the name, and then they hear this me interview them and they're like, "Holy crap, I know that guy. You got to talk to him." And Those it's, are great. It's cool. Yeah. Did you ever interview? Did what happened with Sonny Sawyer? Uh, hadn't got his information yet. I got to get that from you. Okay, he's a Georgia guy. Yeah, he was Enos in, in the Dukes of Hazard. He was actually in the Devil Max Devil. I did not know that. He played big, big uh, Billy Hun- uh, Billy Joe Honeycutt. Uh, Honeycutt. Anyway, he was a motorcycle guy. Yeah, he he's great. When I talked to him, I said, you know, we never met, but we were in a movie together. And I told him, he said, oh my, and we talked for hours. He's great. But yeah, I, I mostly know these character obscure people. I mean, people have asked me, have you ever met? You know, Brad Pitt. No, I haven't met Brad Pitt. I met Brad Pittman, but I never met Brad Pitt. So, but um, the character actors are great. And then when you see them or hear them, like on your show, and then you see them later, you know, like let's say you're watching Friends. Mm-hmm. You see old Larry. You're like, man, I heard him on the show. He had, a, he had a funny story about, you know, his days touring as an opening act for a rock band doing stand. Like he's got great stories. He, he is amazing. And Jack Larry, was great. Oh, Jack's, well, did Jack tell you that people actually thought he was a mute when they met him in real life? Yeah, yeah, I, I yeah. could probably do 30 episodes with just Jack. I yeah. want to get him to do his own podcast. I literally have been, I've been, I've mentioned it to him just as a joke one time. Mm-hmm. Robert Wall, I got to tell you this later on off the air, but Robert Wall is interested in doing his own podcast. Mm-hmm. 
And I was like, man, that would, he'd be great. So, but yeah, it's just these these really weird character, these interesting character actors. It's strange and it's it's cool. I'll watch it. I the funniest story I was going to tell you, which was weird, was one night. You remember Nick at Night? Yeah. I don't know if they still have that TV land. I'm sure they do. I had watched like a block of it was like five episodes of different shows, and I kid you not, Brad, I knew at least one person from each show. <laughs> Uh, one of my good awesome. friends, Stan. One of my good friends, Stan Livingston, was Chip Douglas on My Three Sons. They did mm-hmm. My Three Sons, you know, and they did Good Times, and I had a, so it was really, it was, it was cool. And you know, it's, it's, you realize that with the actors and entertainers, they, they live very um, unstable. Okay, you know, like you're a paramedic, you have your job, mm-hmm. you know how many hours a week you're going to do it, you know, you know when you're going to do it, and so on. But uh, you. You know, with an actor, it's job to job. They're, they're journeymen. They go from job to job, which is really... Hold on, I'm just walking into that thing here. My fault. That's okay. Which is interesting, you know? So, and that's why a lot of them keep going until... I don't even think there is a retirement plan for some of these cats, you know? They just keep doing it forever. Yeah. Um, like, I hope Larry I hope Larry never quits. I hope Larry Hankin does movies till the day he dies. Oh, man, Larry just... You know, I, I think that one of the first things I saw was um, Yours, Mine, and Ours back in 1968. Uh-huh. And this man has been grinding since then, you know. I mean, it's just when nobody else is working, you know, the character actor has always got a spot. Yeah, well, he was an escape from Alcatraz. Yeah. Uh, he, he transcends generations. It's weird. And and he's, he's a great guy. So these are the people I've been blessed enough to meet in my life. And then... Also, I've worked with, uh, I'm working with up and coming people too, mm-hmm. like uh, Tammy and and uh, Neil Gordon, and I mean, you know, yeah. some of these other folks who really no one knows that much about, but they're making their own mark and they're doing their own thing and they're making a positive impact. I've had stories of, and I'm sorry for all the background noise, folks. I'm literally, my apologies. I hope it's not picking up too much of background noise. Right. Well, we're fine. And to, to me, I don't edit those things out because that's the character of the show. Oh, no. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's the character of the show, man. All right, I just didn't want it to be too distracting. Or anything, no. So, no. Um, People ask me funny stories about what I've done. I mean, everybody knows the Wolf of Grimley story, obviously. Mm-hmm. But I'll, t- I'll tell you a story that, I, that I, I have never actually shared on with anybody on the air. So I'm going to give you a first story you've never heard. Outstanding. Okay, so... This happened in 2016. Do you remember the comedian Gallagher? I remember Gallagher very well. Sledge okay. baby. I booked Gallagher on a show in Long Island, New York. Mm-hmm. Okay, now this show was hosted by two Italian guys, and they, they, they were just like <laughs> very, very typical. It was, they, were, they were nice, but stereotypical dudes. You know, they mm-hmm. trashed shell suits. It was funny. Well, that show would air live. But they'd also have Meerkat. Meerkat was like a streaming network where you could actually see the dudes in the studio talking. Mm-hmm. So Gallagher, I got in touch with Gallagher through another guy who, would, who used to open for him. He would have, it was a comedian that would open for his act, you know, when he would do like Melon Crazy or Stuck in the 60s and these specials. Well, I had gotten Gallagher to go into the studio and do an interview. Like whenever I can get like in-studio interviews, I dig that. Yeah. So here's what happened. I get a call from the guy, and it's live. And and I'm in. A, I'm I'm at somewhere. I think it was a grocery store. I was out. Yeah, a grocery store or Target. So I'm out in public somewhere, and I get a text. Call me right now. 
this guy is crazy. And I'm like, what? And so I call up, and when you call a radio station, folks, you know, you hear background stuff, and you hear, like, muffled, distant, you know, voices and stuff. And the guy, very, very New York guy, he says, if this son of a bitch does, excuse me, if this guy does this, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to kill him. And I said, if he does what? He says, I'll put him on the phone. Gallagher gets on the phone. Hey, Steve. He's all, I don't know what's the matter with these guys. I can't imitate his voice, but it's, it's Gallagher. He's like, I don't know what's the matter with these guys, but I've been doing this every night for like almost 35 years and no one's complained. And what he wanted to do was when Gallagher found out there was a video element to the show, he wanted to smash a watermelon right there. I can dig that. Yeah, it's Zach. It's Gallagher. But they didn't want him smashing a watermelon because of the uh, the set. You know, they're in a set, and they thought, if this guy smashes it, you know, they were, it's going to be a mess and so on. <laughs> so here's where it gets crazy. I said, look, man, you know, and they're like, you're not smashing a watermelon in here. And he's like, no, it'll be great. And he says, we'll put plastic up. I mean, he was really, and I'm like, no, dude, you know, I'm really talking like this is a bad idea. Mm-hmm. And so it's funny because they go back on the air, and like 40 seconds, a minute prior to them going back on the air, they're yelling at each other and that. And then they go on the air, and, they're, and then now we're back, and they're talking like they're best friends. That was the funny part of the whole thing. So the interview is going good, and then I get a text, and the guy says, well, we could lay plastic down, but he can only smash one. And I'm like, okay, cool. This is all great. Sludge Manny, he's going to do his, his shtick. So I uh, Gallagher, uh, and then the guy texts like a couple minutes later, saying now he's being impossible. He wants to smash three. And I'm like, what the hell? This is the weirdest thing, right? <laughs> So they go to break again, and they were going to, you know, it was going to be a longer break of their sponsors and commercials. And Gallagher's like, you know, this, just, you know, I want to smash three watermelons because there's a comedy bit I'm going to bring in. And I'm like, just do one. He says, just do one, huh? You want me to do one? I said, yeah, just do one. So he says, fine, I'll do it. And he has his, his, prop, his prop truck. He had his stuff with him. He had planned on doing this. Mm. And this is, this is where the story gets really, really bad. They bring in the watermelon. You can see them, you know, during the break, Meerkat's always running. So you can see them taping up stuff and putting up plastic and stuff and protecting themselves. And and he brings in a watermelon and they're like, oh, what are you going to do with that? I think we know what we're going to do. You know, it's obvious what's, what's um, you know, what they're going to be up to, right? Yeah. And so they, um, they, uh, they, he gets the watermelon out. And he's got this big ear-to-ear grin like a mischievous child that knew he pulled like a prank or something. And I'm, and I, I'm not really thinking much of it because I'm, I'm trying to, you know, trying to figure out what happens. And then so I said, okay, he's going to smash it. Everything's cool. So I literally put the phone down. And then without maybe a minute and a half later, I get a phone call and the guy is flipping out. He is cussing. He is, oh, my God, man, he is just going he's going completely nuts and anyway um i said what happened he says i'm gonna kill this blah 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 my 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 shirt's ruined everything is ruined there's chocolate syrup everywhere oh shit like chocolate syrup gallagher had filled a watermelon held out with chocolate syrup (laughs) and it looked like a bathroom after a taco bell convention (laughs) they said he could bust one he, they said he plus one. It was the devils in the detail, <laughs> and they didn't kill him. They let him go, but that was that was my Gallagher story. Oh, that is outstanding. 
Yeah, I remember watching Gallagher way back. Oh, he was great. And, and his comedy, too, was very... Uh, you either liked him or not. I mean, everybody remembers him smashing things. Yeah, that was how he closed the show. But if you ever listen to his stuff, he was thought-provoking. He was kind of like George Carlin. He made, yeah. You're you're a comic. You know you know how he was. He, he was one of those thought-provoking comics, and he he would he 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 was off, he was great. I loved Gallagher. He's got a twin brother. Yeah, you know um, yeah. I knew he had a twin, and didn't his twin get into the into or trying to copy his okay. act for a while? Or yeah, something? Gallagher. Okay, Gallagher's identical twin brother would do his act mm-hmm. but he made it he made a contingency he said you can do my act but you can't smash watermelons so gallagher would be in kansas city the real gallagher would be in kansas city and his twin would be in like tampa florida the same night he's like mm-hmm. no one figured out he'd be at two places at once and his twin's like no i want to smash watermelons and so they actually went to court and fought over it <laughs> and he won but uh it was there's a very good documentary about him but um the whole thing was with smashing watermelons with Gallagher. That all started out as an accident. Yeah. He was at the comedy store, and Mitzi Shore, Polly Shore's mother, who who ran the comedy store out of L.A., said, you know, uh, he wanted it was a New Year's act, and he, he had seen some old com- uh, commercial like a uh, of a KitchenAid or something, and he incorporated it, and all the rest is history. And she said, you got to do it again. So, I don't know. Yeah. I, I miss the old I miss the old comics we had. I loved Hank and and, and, and and guys like Gallagher because they're hit. They were hippies. Hell, there's a hippie yeah, straight up. No, an old hippie. <laughs> yeah, definitely. And they're an old country. Isn't there a country song called "He's an Old Hippie"? Or there something? is. It's the Bellamy Brothers. Okay, he's an old hippie. Yeah. Yeah. And Larry, I had met through Carl Gottlieb, the screenwriter of Jaws, because they had worked together on a committee. The committee was. Remember, I told you about the committee, the comedy troupe. Yeah. Yeah, and that dude was just he'd do improv stuff and. It was very cutting edge for 1960, 60s, excuse me, in the mid 60s. And now nah, Larry's great, man. Hey, you, but, know, you know, he's doing videos from home. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and his website, therealllarryhankin.com. Mm-hmm. You know, everybody go check that out. Cause Larry, Larry's a great guy. He's hilarious. Yeah, you say his name. I don't know if you, you know if you told your friends like I'm interviewing him. They're like they won't know who he is if you say his name. Who? And then oh that guy, oh that guy. Yeah. That's that's the funny thing. Yeah, and that's what I love about interviewing character actors because when you first say their name, you're like, who in the world? And then when you see them or hear them, you're like, holy shit, I know that guy. Yeah, it's surreal. Yeah. And sometimes it's almost more exciting than meeting like William Shatner or something, you know? Yeah. Like Robert Wall. You really wouldn't know Robert Wall's name, but if you mention Arlo, well, maybe because of Arliss you would. Yeah. But if you mention it, it's like, oh my God, you know? And then, you know, you get this, you know, well, what are they like? Because you never really, you never really get to know their backstories. Yeah. Did you interview Scotty Schwartz? I did. I had a good time interviewing. I love Scotty. Scotty. Okay, so Scott, Scott's one of my best friends on earth. He, um, he was. Um, I got in a horrible car accident in 2017. I was driving a a, a, a minivan, and I got hit by a 10 ton truck. And I, I had to crawl out. It was, it was gnarly. I had to crawl out. Obviously, everything worked out okay, but I had to crawl out of the, of the vehicle. Mm-hmm. And Scott had heard about it, and he called me up, and he was he – was, Scott's just a solid guy, man. I like Scott a lot. Yeah. Yeah, he – you know, talking to him, I, man, that, that was just such a great talk. And – the one thing about character actors that I'm finding I don't really like to do, but I, I mean, I have to because it's, it's part of the gig, you know, 
mm-hmm. is I hate starting to concentrate on their big thing, you know. Like toward the end of my, my talk with Scotty, I said, you know, I got to bring it up, man. And we talked a little bit about the pole. About and what? I, about the pole from the Christmas story. Oh, yeah, yeah. You know, and that's, that's one of the things. Because uh... I don't want to be the guy that, you know, I don't want to be every podcast. You know, I'm sure he's had to answer that 10 million times. But yeah. he's used to that. You got to remember, yeah. they have fan questions. You know, when Carl gets asked about uh, about Jaws, it's just it's just one of those things. Is it? they're fan questions, oh, so yeah. it's cool. Oh, you know, yeah. and, and he told you the story about. Did he tell you about how every year uh, he will, there'll be letters from people saying, you know, my son did that. And he almost lost his <laughs> tongue and all. You know, like really, that, that happens yeah. quite a bit. There's a thing where. Um, he, uh, he 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 says, you know, well, you, your son's a schmuck for doing that. It's very dangerous. You know, it was it was a gag in a movie. You know? Yeah. But yeah, I, I love talking to him. I mean, and the the neat thing is, you know, he was outside with his kids while we were talking. You know, Stop I I, I like the huh? That's the next kids. Who was he with? He was with somebody that had kids. Well, he's probably like me. I'm, I'm not. With, I, I'm with someone who has kids too. He, he, who knows? Scotty's probably out doing something. Oh yeah, but I mean, it just—that's the way I like to do these things, you know. I don't—if if I could get somebody to come over here in the studio, one, it would be kind of weird because my studio's in my basement, and I could see being like, "I know you don't know me. I'm a big fan. Would you come down into my basement and let me interview you?" Yeah, that—that'd be successful. But yeah. you know, doing it on the phone or Skype or whatever. Well, what about with Eric Morris? Yeah. Oh, Eric was great. Yeah, you could bring Eric in your basement. <laughs> this is true. <laughs> Yeah, but yeah, I'm, I'm never kinda, seen again. I'm kind of quarantined down here right now for all this good stuff. And, oh. <laughs> yeah, are but, you are you now? How are you doing with all this? I'm doing good. I'm ready for it to be over. Um, I, I hate being essential. I, I despise it. But okay. you know, the great thing about it is I've not missed a check yet because of that's this. A, well. God bless. That's important. And uh, I am getting to help people. You know, and I, I am staying down here in the basement for the most part just because I don't want to get my wife and kids sick because we can handle it. Uh-huh. But, you know, I, one, I ain't getting my kids sick because they they awesome. know. And I'm a wife, I don't want to. But, you know, her job, she can get a lot of people sick if she gets sick. Yeah. So I'm sucking it up and staying down here, which is cool. I got a nice little air mattress, a big old thick thing. And I've, I've got my studio set up. I brought my big speakers down here. It's Actually, pretty cool. It's like being confined in a man cave. Yeah. I've got a projector set up down here. I just hooked my laptop and watch movies on the wall with the big speakers. That's kind of awesome. <laughs> now, do you, uh, do you, what do you like watching? What do, what do you, what are you into? Oh, man, I'm into everything. Have um, you seen that Tiger King thing yet? Oh, dude, I did a video of the Tiger King the other day. Okay, okay. So here's the deal. <laughs> No, I watched it last night for the first time. I have not watched all of it. Um, I am intrigued because it's so bizarre. It's almost like a bad car accident. You want to ignore it, but you can't. You know? oh, it's like a bad car accident with a train and an airplane involved in it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, yeah. I, I, I have sat through every episode of the Tiger King, and when a new one came out where they interviewed people after it, I sat through that too. I never knew any of this crap. I never knew it. I never, I never knew uh, any of this existed, though. Yeah, I didn't either. <laughs> I mean, well, I mean, I guess it was, you know, was uh, was regulated to 
Florida, but it's just weird, man. It's like you can't make that stuff up. Yeah. I can't make that up. And, and the characters are, are, are almost like they're unreal looking, you know? Oh, man, it is. It's like, oh. <laughs> and I know you've seen it all, so I'm dying to find out. I don't want any spoilers. But it's like, I will say this. That woman obviously killed her husband. There's no way around that one. Oh, now, just because she had sardine oil and tigers and... Yeah. He's, he's totally gone. Don't mean he's a tiger turd anywhere. <laughs> I don't think that. I just think something. I mean, it's just too, it was too blatantly obvious. But yeah, that's a fascinating show. Oh, yeah. And I don't know. I mean, I, I just was, I was kind of amazed it didn't make world because of, of the weirdness of it. You know what I'm saying? Oh, the, the funny part is uh, I know people like that. Not with the tigers what? or anything, but I, I know this type of people. <laughs> what? A tiger? What do you mean? No, the, the people who are just that odd. Well, they, they were they were Southerners, right? Well, no, kind of. I, mean, I don't know. They're, Oklahoma and Florida. Okay, yeah. So yep. they're just eccentric characters we meet in life. Definitely. Um, I'll tell you another one you might like if if you can can finish the, the Tiger King. Yeah. Is I think it's the Wild Whites of West Virginia. The Wild. Okay. No, I'm not familiar with that one. Oh, it is. Oh yeah, it's. About a family that's in this little town in West Virginia. I mean, and this it's a documentary. I mean, this is interviews, real people, and holy crap. <laughs> this is amazing. I can't even begin to tell you about it. It's so great. But no, I, I watch a little bit of everything. I mean, I love comedies. I love dramas. Um, I'm into action. Uh, I actually saw the, the Rambo Last Blood the other night. Yeah, I like that. Did you like that? Oh, man, that was, I was expecting a lot less just because, you know, Stallone's getting older and, you know, Rambo is, I remember seeing the first one in the theaters and it, it's well, first just. Now, okay, go ahead, because I got I to gotta tell you about that. Go ahead. And it's just kind of, you know, it's, it's Rambo. But this yeah. one delivered, I mean, it was so great. I was worried because I thought maybe it's like one last vain attempt to, to recapture something or whatever. Yeah. But the very first blood, I think, is the was the best of the whole series. Oh, it originally. definitely was. I mean, that, and, and, and I felt bad when I heard that Brian Danning uh, just had passed away. Yeah. So I thought, but it's funny. Did you ever read the book the first blood was based on? I have not read the book. Okay, in the book... The sheriff who Brian Dennehy played was actually uh, a Korean War veteran mm -hmm. who had a disdain for Vietnam veterans. And the movie was so controversial that they actually had to film all that up in Canada. They didn't even want it filmed in America. Man. But what was interesting was that was 1982 that movie came out, Brad. Mm -hmm. There was a lot of mean things going on to Vietnam veterans. You know, yeah. I heard stories about veterans being spit on an airport just crazy stuff you know yeah so that mentality in certain parts of the world existed and and, and i and if you if you look at first blood it wasn't because he was a veteran that's that wasn't why he was giving a crap he thought he was just a, a hobo you know drifter dude coming to his town yeah but um that was a great movie the second one was mostly for commercial value yeah and i, so, I still so, dug the second one yeah, yeah, the second one was good. I, I, I knew my friend Martin Cove was in that movie. He was the evil sensei in Karate Kid. He was in the second one, Marty Cove. Mm -hmm. um, the third one, garbage. Um, the one in Burma was kind of, eh, I, you know, I saw it one time and, and I had my feel of it. But yeah. this one was great because, for one thing, he didn't have long hair. 
which to me was good because he wasn't trying to look like he did 35 years ago. Yeah. He, he aged. He looked like an aging person. Yeah. Secondly, he had more dialogue in this. If you look at, okay, I had heard somewhere, don't quote me exactly on this. You could Wikipedia it or Google it. In First Blood, Stallone only has like five lines. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's not a lot. No, he doesn't talk. And in and, and, and this one, you know, he, his relationship in Last Blood with the, with the young Mexican girl and the, the grandma, I mean, it was really a beautiful, I think it was a great thing. But I'll tell you what, man, whew, the violence in that, I mean, they always had to set the bar for violence. They broke the bar on this one. Yeah, and I mean, it, it was just, man, <laughs> it was great. And it dealt with a topic, I don't want to spoil it for anybody who hasn't seen it, but it dealt with human trafficking, mm-hmm. a very real topic. So it was almost, it was real. I mean, obviously, you know, it's, it's still a fantasy movie, but, you know, unlike Rambo, the second one, where he's sent into Vietnam to take pictures, and the third one where he just goes and tries to save his friend in, you know, in Afghanistan, uh, this one was very, you know, it dealt with something that's very real. So, yeah, it's a, I recommend the watch. It is a little ugh, cringe. There are, you, you could agree, there's some, you know, if, you're, if you don't like action in movies, there are a couple of cringeworthy kills in that movie. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, but it's, it's an It's awesome all make-believe, though, people. It's all CGI. It's not real. <laughs> <laughs> That's why I'm excited. I'm going to be in touch with Joe Alves, though. That's why I'm excited about Joe Alves. Mm-hmm. Besides building the shark for, for uh, Jaws, that's the man who built the set for Close Encounters. Nice. And, and Escape from New York. And he directed Jaws 3. And back then, before CGI, when we were kids, before CGI was a thing, they would actually build a 25-foot shark or a, you know, seven-story plaster mountain, you know. So, yeah. Yeah, you know he's I, got stories. I, Joe, Joe started out on Forbidden Planet, dude, way back then. He worked with Hitchcock on Torn Curtain. Like, the guy's amazing. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, I love CGI because, I mean, you can do things that nobody else can do. I mean, you just, it'll never happen, but... To me, like I say, the old days when you had the effects guy who, okay, we need this, and he's got to figure out how to make it. Uh-huh. That was awesome. You know, one of my favorite was, favorites was Tom Savini. Yeah. And uh, I remember getting a book of his when I was probably about 16 or 17 and learning a little bit and just kind of taking off from that and learning to do makeup and special effects stuff. And actually, around Halloween, would make a good bit of money doing it. As a matter of fact, that's one thing that helped me get into radio. Really? Yeah. I um, did the staff of one of the radio stations in Augusta. They were doing a remote for Halloween, and all of them wanted to be made up. So I went, and, you know, they, they came to the house, and I did make up on all of them and went to the remote that they were doing and just got to talking to the programming director. And next thing you know, I was on their sister station, a country station. And... Mm-hmm. Found out I really like doing radio. You know, yeah, you got a knack for it. I've got the face for it too. We do. Yeah, I've got the perfect that's why, that's why I'm a, That's why I'm a behind the scenes guy. You know. <laughs> oh yeah. No one wants to see Quasimodo in real life. You know? <laughs> oh man, if people tell me I'm uglier than farting in church. Uh, me too. I, I, I'm not winning any beauty contest. <laughs> <laughs> but no, this is cool, Brad. Man, I enjoy doing this. I. uh I, I, like I said, it's, it's, it's about the connections we make in life. That's really what all, all it's about at the end of the day. Definitely. People, people say, what do you like? It's the connections we make in life. And just like with you and, and 
you know, there's no, I don't have a favorite. I've been asked many times, well, who's like your favorite person you ever worked with? I don't have a favorite. They're all, they all have a little shred of uniqueness in their own way. They all have a shred of light. And it really varies. There's no favorite. Yeah. That's like asking you which of your kids is favorite, your favorite. You know, you just. Uh, I mean, if I had kids, I could answer that one. But <laughs> yeah, I, I think Joe Pesci did it the best on Lethal Weapon 4. When he told the story about Froggy. I don't remember, no. Yeah, he had a pet frog that he took everywhere. And it was okay. his favorite thing in the world. And uh, his name was Froggy. Okay. And one day, Froggy died. Okay. And he didn't think he would ever love a pet again. And he got another one. Mm-hmm. And he loved it. He said, it wasn't that I didn't love Froggy anymore or any less. And I didn't love this one anymore or any less. Okay. It was just a different pet. I love it. It's just the same, good. but different. And that, that kind of hits home. Yeah, no, that's just very good. I mean, it's people, there are people to me are, are, are irreplaceable. You can't just replace people. Yeah. But it's in their own little way. And I said a lot of it, it, it for me, it's been a, an interesting journey. I like working with the up and coming people now, but it's been an interesting journey working with people who, when you and I were kids, I'd watch, I grew up watching their stuff, man. And I was just really a big, I was a fan of their work and, and then to meet them yeah. and, and hear their interest outside of their work, because a lot of people, they don't like talking about it outside of work. I mean, and, and to hear them and hear what they're all about, that's, that's cool stuff. You know? Yeah. Yeah. But no, this has been Brad. Thanks, man. It's been cool. Oh, I've had a blast. And you know, you're welcome on here anytime. Thank you. I enjoyed this very much. I hope I know it's not it's not one of your best interviews, but it's and I'm sorry, like I said, forgive me for all the background noise. I'm just trying to shuffle through the day here, you know, and oh. get things done. Oh, you're fine, man. You're fine. We've we've had a good one. I mean I, and I think it was ranked right up there. Thank you, pal. I appreciate that. Yeah. But yeah. Well, I'll, uh, let me know uh, when we when we go off the air. I'll I'll give you the info for uh, Joe, and uh, we'll, we'll go from there. But keep keep up the good work, and thanks for all the help you've done with with your show. And I'm glad that this has been a, this is, it's a good collaboration. And when I hope everybody stays safe, safe and well during these during these dark times. You know, definitely. Definitely. All right, Brad. Well, thanks, man. Hey, thank you. Everybody, this has been Smoke Meat. This has been Steve Joyner. Y'all have a good. One.